Core. Core. You are listening to Core, a show on Code Zero Radio that plays bands located in the Fox Cities. The show to find and discover new music. Hosted by Andy McNamara. My next guest is a professional musician since age 12. Jackson Minkowski grew a love for music while watching his dad perform around various places. Jackson's journey ended up taking him out west and back. He recently released a live version of Giving In that was recorded at the Heist in Ripon, Wisconsin. I'd like to welcome Jackson Minkowski to Fox City's Core. Jackson, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming. And this is great yeah. that you're back in the Fox Cities. How does it feel to be back? Well, back in the area. How does it feel to be back here? It feels amazing, honestly. Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time in uh, De Pere because that's where I'm living at the moment. But I've been coming up to Appleton a lot and uh, playing shows like at Gibson Music Hall and kind of rekindling all the connections and friends and everything from back in 2015 before I moved. So it's been really nice. Yeah, it's been like a good welcome home kind of, you know. The things seem any different since when he left? Um, kind of. Definitely the artists are, like, there's there's uh, different artists that I haven't heard of. Um, and I've been coming back in the summers throughout the past eight years, uh, so I kind of was familiar with the scene a little bit, but I've seen a lot of new artists that I really love. And I think maybe Mile is uh, helping bringing them into the Fox Cities area, too. Um, and kind of, it's I feel like there's a lot of younger musicians too kind of coming up around the area too in the scene that I'm really impressed by that um, I think is really cool so yeah that's what I've noticed. Well, let's yeah. let's uh, kind of start it's, it's always fun to kind of find out how yeah how your musical journey started yeah you know that uh, your dad uh, Woody Minkowski was in a band called yeah. Big Mouth which was uh, started I think in the early 90s yeah and obviously that must have rubbed off on you seen him <laughs> perform <laughs> yeah, and, and be, a little bit. were you going to a lot of shows when, yeah when I, I grew up going to sh- his shows my whole life um since I was like a baby uh, I'd like fall asleep you know with my mom holding me like at these bars you know with like <laughs> really loud music happening all around and and I'm just sleeping you know <laughs> and so I kind of grew up going to his shows and um and seeing him uh evolve as an, as an artist and and where that took him and it kind of yeah it it was uh just a big part of my life there was a lot of music at the house just playing all the time on vinyl and uh turntables and um playing through the stereo like all day long he'd just put new records on you know all day when we're at home and then i'd just follow him to his shows everywhere he went so i'd get into all the bars and (laughs) all the places in door county and and green bay and sturgeon bay and like um well everywhere in wisconsin actually um until he started traveling with it a little more was yeah. it something when you were watching him early on was it something that you thought you wanted to do right away or did it, that feeling not take over until you I mean you were playing shows since the age of 12 so yeah I, I don't know how old you were when you were I think I just I thought that um I thought it was like normal to be a musician or something like I mean it, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I kind of thought everyone kind of had it in them or something but um so I was like I'll I'll give it give it a shot and so I started singing, and um, I learned a couple songs. So like I kind of said to him one day when I, I think I was like 10 or something, I wanted to pick up the guitar. So he tried to teach me Three Little Birds, you know, by Bob Marley, because it's only three chords. It's <laughs> E-A-D, you know. And um, 
So that was the first song I played, and then I learned a couple other songs, and um, I sat them down in the living room one night, and I just played them for them and, uh, to my parents. And they were like, we're going to have you sing at one of his gigs. So I think at uh, Ledgestone Vineyards is the first time I sang a song. Um, it was Count on Me by Bruno Mars, and I, like, <laughs> I sang it uh, for my dad's birthday or something when I was like, yeah, 12. Um, but then throughout the, after that, I started booking more gigs around town. And, um, but, yeah, I figured out later that um, it's kind of not – I mean, like, a lot of people are musicians, but I grew up with it just being – everyone who I knew, who I knew too, who, like, became my friends were my dad's friends who were musicians. And so I kind of was always around musicians. And um, so I s- assumed I would be one, <laughs> you know, and then I kind of, like, took a stab at it myself eventually so when he was when when your parents were both playing records around the house mm-hmm. you more than likely liked what they were playing and then yeah eventually you probably gained your own sort of taste in music what did you drift i know your dad was probably into jazz yeah lots of jazz what yeah. did what did you end up sort of migrating towards after he was started? into like jazz and soul motown a lot um so al green uh otis redding ray charles um John Coltrane, like, um, Chet, Chet Baker, you know, and, um, all, so all the classics and, uh, that kind of rubbed off on me. The R and B vocals of like Sly and the Family Stone, you know, like if you want me to stay, that kind of thing. Um, and he would always sing those at his, at his gigs too, like Stevie Wonder. And, um, so I would hear all of these classic songs and, um, yeah, then I just started doing those and I, I started sitting in with Big Mouth too. And that was good to get me out there performing more. But then um, I started writing songs and all I had was an acoustic guitar. So I just kind of had to start learning acoustic music too. And then I got my own influences with that. But it all kind of stemmed from Motown soul and uh, what he was listening to. So, yeah. And does that still kind of flow into what you're doing today? Those early influences? Yeah. I try to add a little like Motown soul influence with the acoustic Americana, like roots, blues, country vibe, you know? Yeah. Well, what ended up driving you out towards LA? I know you went to the, uh, am I, I'm probably not going to say this right. The, the last, last high school. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to, it took me a long time to figure it out too, but it's called LAXA. It's L-A-C-H-S-A, I think. And, um, LA County high school for the arts. And, um, I had to audition to get in and I went there for my sophomore year of high school for the whole year. And then right before the year ended, I became homeschooled again because uh, before that I was homeschooled. Um, so I went for a whole year and made a lot of good friends who were artists. And um, cause there was, there was the, like I got in as a vocalist. Uh, I tried auditioning for drums too, but I knew I didn't want to get in for drums. So that audition was like really funny. <laughs> you know, I kind of purposely sabotaged yourself. Bit. But then with the vocals, I knew I wanted to get in for, as a singer. So I really went hard with that, and uh, trying to think of what songs I learned, I don't remember. But, anyways, there was the musicians, there were the actors, there were the cinematographers, there were the dancers. There was so all the arts would happen after I think twelve thirty, and before that we'd do academics, normal academics. Um, yeah, so I had like vocal fundamentals where we'd learn. Um, Italian arias and sing them and I had to do it for a, a um, I think it was a, like a 
recital, you know, and the music chair was going to be there. And I purposely told everyone not to go. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I had to learn this Italian aria. And we had a piano player backing us. um, And I just think this is a funny story to tell, like, (laughs) because I told everyone not to go. And uh, so they knew I liked this girl at the time. So they brought her and sat her right next to me, like behind me, (laughs) you know. So uh, and then it was only the room was only filled like this big theater with our parents and like two other friends of mine that I didn't want to be there. And like my (laughs) my classmates, you know. And uh, so I got up and uh, something messed me up and I messed up the words and it was in Italian. So (laughs) so instead of stopping, um, because I knew you shouldn't just stop, you know, you gotta kind of try to continue. So I started making up Italian and um, and singing that, and I don't even remember what that sounded like, probably just gibberish, but that was pretty funny. Um, so that was like my experience with that too. But that was cool, we got to go to LA Opera a lot, yeah. So you were there one year, I mean, that must have, was it something that you're glad you did? Um, definitely, okay. yeah, it, for sure. And I still have friends from there too, um, that I've seen uh, get super successful. Um, yeah, like there was someone in my vocal fundamentals class. Um, his name was Chosen. That's his name. <laughs> Pretty cool. And uh, but he was in there, and then he just left for a couple months, and we were all like, "Where did he go?" You know. <laughs> and then, uh, but he would show up at the parties for like the our friend's party, and. Um, we find out like months later he's in the it movie you know with (laughs) like as one of the main actors in it and um and then some other like we had uh alec benjamin before he blew up um the singer songwriter um he has like let me down slowly and the water fountain and those songs he came in for our songwriting class which was only like the six of us in there and when he had like twenty thousand followers on instagram and within like two months he got to a million followers and um after that and I knew he was going to blow up because of his unique voice and his songwriting skills. And um, so that was cool. They kind of brought in people that if I didn't go there, I would have never met a lot of the people that influenced me. Is there a lot of pressure like being out in California versus here where you're growing up and you mentioned like the Instagram followers? I mean, that's pretty much whatever you do now, there's the followers, but yeah. when you're out in California, you're around so many people that are so driven and that's what they're out there for. Like a lot of people have gone out there just mm-hmm. to, to hit it hard. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that it's harder almost to get your footing kind of coming up in a place like that versus whether you would have yeah. stayed here? Yeah. Because, well, it's just kind of being like a minnow in the ocean out there, you know, and everyone's trying to be a musician or an actor. It seems like, Um, and, and also people, I feel like already know each other who are really good friends there, um, who have really good soulful friendships and stuff. That's because they grew up there together. But if you're coming in from out of town, it's really hard to meet people, at least with my experience. Um, cause then I was homeschooled after I went to that school. So, and then COVID happened and I was trying to like get my name out there with not much behind me to book shows. And then, yeah, I, it was just kind of more difficult over there. But here, like compared to the Fox Cities and Green Bay, and it's just so easy to find gigs around here. And people, you have soulful connections with them. And um, the people really listen and appreciate it. That's also a thing is that um, I feel like they, my music didn't resonate with the people of L.A. as much. But over here, it really resonates with them. 
Um, so I'm going to try to take that to Nashville too and see what happens there now. But for the time being, I'm living here. But so that was kind of my experience with it. Yeah. When you were going to the, the high school there for the year, I mean, you were, it sounds like basically working on cover songs. When did you mm-hmm. start writing your own material? Um, I started writing when I was probably 13, but I didn't put anything out until I was 15, I think. Maybe 14, I released an EP, but when I was 15 is when I kind of started putting stuff out. Yeah. Was that something that your your dad was behind, was getting some original original material written? Yeah, he was always a big advocate of that. He was like, you need to write uh, your own songs. That's kind of what sets the musicians apart, you know, makes them unique is like your own songwriting. Um, and so, yeah, I started writing uh, some pop songs. I think the first one I wrote was I Wish About You. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, this is going to be a hit, man. It's the first song I wrote, you know? <laughs> and um, and I was like, and the U is going to be a U. It's not going to be Y-O-U, you know? It's going to be <laughs> U. It's going to be trendy and cool. And then I never released it, and I got embarrassed by it after like a month. And then I started writing a lot of, uh, a lot of songs until... Um, but then I just I started thinking, I don't know how to record these um, myself. So I had to find other people to go record with... Um, but Dan Rodriguez from Minneapolis, who plays at Mile of Music now, um, I met him through Mile of Music, I think, years ago. And um, we recorded together, but I'm, I'm forgetting before that, I met Sam Luna, um, who was playing at Mile of Music, and then he introduced me to Brian Gottlieb of Tundraland. Or it might have been Brian introducing me to Sam, but either way, I wrote a song with Sam called Paint You a Picture, and then uh, he talked to Brian about it. And we talked to Mark Goldie about it, about some songs that I had. And uh, so we decided to record a project. And that was my first project was at Rock Garden Studios. And we did, um, I think, like a four song acoustic EP. And then I came back a year later and from L.A., I think, and I recorded um, an actual like band EP with uh, people behind me. And so we had a lot of good musicians on that. Um, yeah. Was, was that the the current Rock Garden location that's over there in the flats? Um, you mean it, at Rock Garden? Yeah. Is that the one? It's under the bridge, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, the current the one. one. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's a great studio. It's it's yeah. very spacey. And every yeah, it is. And Mark's great. And every time I went, um, yeah, actually every time I went, uh, we would see these eagles outside. We'd like go outside and talk, and there'd be like these bald eagles there or something like that, and it was really wild. Um, only when I was recording it was, and so I was like, it's a sign, you know, (laughs) and, uh, but I just love that place. It has a really good energy to it. And Mark's great. What is it about singles that, that you prefer to release the singles over albums or more EPs? I think, um, with singles, as opposed to an actual project, like an EP or an album, if, if you do singles, then you can kind of, um, spread it out spread the promotion apart so i was really thinking about social media and what i was gonna i was gonna have each single be its own separate little project uh so i'd have a lot more to promote and a lot more to post about and and then with each release so i put out like lonely road as a single then for two whole weeks it's just focused on lonely road you know and so i'm squeezing the most out of the little amount of songs that i had at the time by putting out singles yeah there was a, a period too where you went under the name Jackson Crow. Yeah, what, what, and yeah. then you kind of pulled away from that. Was yeah. uh, what was 
behind the decision to do that and what kind of problems does that cause now now that you're back to going by jackson minkowski is there any confusion confusion yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there any possibility yeah. that you'll go back to jackson crow or is no. that behind you now it's behind me now um i changed it because and i forget exactly what year it was that i started doing that possibly 2018 but i think i changed it because i was going to open mics in la and and i would say it's mankowski and they'd be like mukowski like what and they 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 couldn't say it and figure it out so i I just thought i'm gonna simplify this but i I want my name to stand for something so i kind of had this whole idea where it would be jackson crow but it was an acronym so it was cr.o.w. i think but um what did the acronym stand for uh create one world is what it was and i had this whole nonprofit with it that i was like kind of thinking about doing um but it's not happening anymore because I have other things I'm working on now. But um, that was the idea was to have the name represent who I was as my artist self. And I uh, started a little record label too called Two Raven Records. And um, I I was trying to do this whole branding thing. And um, eventually I just figured out I just want to be myself, you know, and have my name be the the like Jackson Mankowski I wanted to go by that so over a couple years I just decided to kind of back away from because it and it's hard because it was like there were periods in my name so it was like cr.o.w. so if I said Jackson Crow people are like oh like the bird and it's like no I'm talking about an acronym you know (laughs) but um so that was hard to explain to people and when they'd look me up they'd forget to put the periods and it was harder to get my music out there because I chose to do an acronym so um, but I'm glad I experienced it. I'm glad I tried it because otherwise I'd still be trying to figure out how to like do rebrand myself and change my name and all that stuff, you know, but I already did that. So I, I'm happy just going with myself now. It's a lot easier. It, it's a totally different like ball yeah. game today compared to 15 yeah. years ago. Do you find some of that stuff sort of gets in the way of creating music as far as just creating content, creating a brand, like everything's brand, brand, You mean brand. like TikTok, social media, stuff like that? Yeah, all that it. stuff. Yeah. I'm on TikTok right now because I just decided like, I'm just going to just say, well, I'll just do it, <laughs> you know, like, um, and I'm, I started to not think as much that hard about it um for a while i was thinking super hard about it it was all i thought about was social media social media getting more followers until i started focusing on other things and i got in a relationship and then i um covid happened and like all this stuff and so the growth the organic growth that i got from singing cover songs on instagram for a long time in 2017 or something 16 17 18 um yeah 17 or 18 i was doing requests on instagram a lot and that was getting me a lot of organic growth. And um, like I did a Lifehouse cover and they posted me on their page. And I was like, I got to keep doing this because this is how to get yourself out there. So my thing was, you comment any song and I'll sing it. And um, so that did me pretty well um, for a little bit. But then I dropped off and then uh, Instagram doesn't reward you if you drop off, you know. So you kind of have to start from scratch. And then if your follower ratio thing is all messed up, if you have a lot of followers or Actually, if you're following a lot of people, um, like it's it's not like Instagram doesn't reward that or something. So there's a lot of things I learned about it, but um, I took a lot of time off 
and I kind of lost all my organic growth. And now I'm kind of getting back into it and just not thinking too hard about it, but just putting out what I think is um, quality content. Yeah. Did for that, myself and yeah. Did did COVID sort of like push more of like the the branding, the social media? I mean, I know it was pretty strong before yeah. that, but it, it couldn't have helped at all with everybody kind of trapped in their house trying to figure out how to stay yeah. relevant. I kind of would be off and on on social media in quarantine. I think I got more excited when the when everything lifted after quarantine, and then that's when I started posting more because I was like uh, excited about it again. And, but for a while, everyone was just really depressed and, and inside and I, I was inside and I had a lot of time, but I, uh, chose to spend that time with, um, like my girlfriend at the time and, and, uh, and other things. So I kind of stepped away from music for like, like two years. Was that but, like a complete step away? No songwriting, no recording. Yeah. I couldn't write a song for a whole year, maybe more. Uh, and I, yeah, no recording either, but I had these recordings I did, uh, like before quarantine with Dan. Um, so then I, I started just working on those and I was like, okay, I'm going to release those because I've already done them and I want them out under my name, Jackson Mankowski. And I'm going to re-release everything under Jackson Crow under Jackson Mankowski now to kind of give people an idea of where I'm at as an artist, um, before I start writing and releasing new music, because then I want that to be a new chapter. So I had to kind of finish what I started, um, and put that stuff out. And then, yeah, so I put out Here to Stay and Drowning in My Mind that I did with Dan during that time. And that was like all I was doing with music, really. Uh, so I just put out the ones that I already had recorded, basically. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll just write in the next coming year and put more music out soon, you know? So, but yeah. So what, uh, when you were working with Dan Rodriguez, what did he do on the, the track? Um, well, he had this studio called the lodge in, uh, Minneapolis, which was super cool. It was like this little studio. So I'd go there and we would, I'd play on my songs and I'd be like, I think I want to record these three. And then, so he'd kind of tweak some lyrics with me and we'd go over it. And then I said, I'm trying to do a pop country kind of vibe, like Echo Smith. I really wanted to sound like for a while. So because I thought I wanted to be the guy version of Echo Smith at the time, you know, because uh, back in 2016, 17, uh, when we did that first project, I think Call It Home was on there and like before the sun comes up and stuff. But so he kind of worked on some lyrics with me with that. And uh, we co-produced it together. He did a lot of the producing, but I gave a couple ideas and um but he made me sound really good for the time. And uh, I was like always really grateful for him. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. We've got uh, the caller. You're on the on the line with Jackson Mikowski. Oh, What's yeah. your question? Good morning. Uh, you were talking about lyrics a little bit earlier. And uh, I'm a big fan of, of, of great lyric writers like John Mellencamp or... Uh, uh, Brian Adams, uh, even Andy and Tony McNamara. So I was wondering who influenced you the most or who do you, who really impresses you as a lyric writer? Cool. Well, thanks for asking. Um, let's see. Well, I would say my biggest influence for a while was, um, well, there was John Mayer in 2000, 
16 um, because I liked how he kind of left a lot for the mind to kind of put together with his lyrics and it was kind of um, like vague enough with the emotions to a lot of people could relate to it but then I got into Bob Dylan and I got into Johnny Cash and I got into Willie Nelson and um, like uh, there's something about old Willie Nelson tracks and Johnny Cash um, that really spoke to me. So I started writing lyrics um, that I thought they maybe would have written to or or that they would, if I was performing it for them, they would like to listen to it. <laughs> that was kind of my, my fantasy. But um, so I'd actually say like Johnny Cash was a huge influence on my lyrics. Um, yeah, and then I love... Bon Iver, you know, Justin Vernon. Um, I loved him too. I still love him. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Being a, a fan of Johnny Cash and yeah. you know, a lot of the, the Nashville stuff, you mentioned you're going to be kind of heading down to Nashville at some point soon. Do you, mm -hmm. do you like going to like places like, for example, old studios that some of these people recorded at, or like, do you like to drive by where they used to live and look at yeah. you know, these kind of things? I do. When I lived in LA, I would find places, especially like uh, movie filming locations. I would just, I'd say to my friend, like, we're going to go here today and I'm going to surprise you where we're going. And I'll be like, oh, it was in this movie. Like, little did you know we're here. Like, <laughs> so I'd do stuff like that. Um, and I've been in studios that other um, idols of mine have recorded in. And, and that's always cool because I think it, it, they kind of leave a residual energy in the place a little and it's inspiring and motivating. So I'd say, yeah. <laughs> so thanks for the, the call. If, if anybody else has a question, the phone number is 920-358-0795. You can also leave it in the chat, but I probably won't see those. Cool. So <laughs> no, that was cool that we got a call. Yeah. And I love it. So I wanted to ask you about um, a song called The New Man. Mm -hmm. That was on the, uh, the, the uh, release with a hat. You released the song and then you released it like as a, like not kind of an instrumental, like almost like a karaoke version. Yeah. Of it. What, what, what was the decision to, to release that um, both ways? That's a good question because I thought about that a lot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if anyone else would think about it. There had to be some um, reason. I, I mean, I listened to the yeah. track without the vocals too, and it's, it, the music is beautiful in there, but it's like, I, I wonder yeah. if it was because of the, you know, just how cool it is or because sometimes I feel like my vocals don't do the instrumentation, the justice or like the overall song uh, that I feel like it needs. And so um, with that, we just had some really incredible musicians playing on that. And um, uh, trying to think. Um, yeah, well, the, I, I had a mixed after we recorded them. A couple years later in L.A., I met um, this guy, Ryan Littman, who... Uh, so I took them from Mark, the old files, and I really wanted this like big sound specifically from this guy, Ryan Littman, who worked with Jamestown Revival, and um, he had a mastering guy in Austin, Texas, and um, I had them work on those songs, and he turned the instrumentation, well, he turned a new man into a way bigger sound than I um, thought was possible with it, and he squeezed out a lot of detail into it, so... And it really highlighted the musicians, too, that were playing on the instrumental. So I wanted to have an instrumental that um, people could listen to if they just wanted to put on a 
one of my songs in the car without my vocals and not have to be like, oh, Jackson's vocals ruin it. <laughs> you know, it's like, because then they just have the instrumental so they can Does, jam out to that. Do you think like something like releasing the instrumentals would help with like licensing if you're trying to... Yeah, that ever- too, actually, because um, for a while I was trying to shop my songs to be put into film and TV shows and video games or whatever. Um, and you can do that on, like there's Taxi... Um, and they had they had an event out in LA that I went to and attended for I think two years, and um, I would kind of submit songs to there uh, for placement. So I almost had a few placed, but then I stopped doing it for a while. But yeah, I you can always resubmit things, and so I would love to submit the instrumentation and see if anyone would want it. Well, you know? talking about Dan Rodriguez, I mean yeah. that's how he hit his big yep. break was he got into a the Bud commercial. Light. Yep, right. It was the Bud Light one on the Super Bowl for his. Uh, Something uh, to come home was the name of the song. I'm trying to think of what it is. That, that sounds when right. you come home, yeah. right? Yeah, it was about like, it was like a dog commercial, a sad dog commercial for the Super Bowl. <laughs> now you, but he you, made a lot. Yeah, you've been lucky to have like a lot of um, sort of mentors. You had your dad Woody. You you had yeah. Dan Rodriguez, and you had Corey Chisel early on too. Mm-hmm. How how did uh, Corey come into the picture, and what did he provide you as far as guidance and yeah. sort of mentoring? Um. You know, Ah Bravo in Green Bay, there's that that bistro restaurant, wine bar, cafe. And uh, my dad used to play there growing up all the time. Um, And Julie, the owner, um, found out I was a musician, too, at that point. It must have been 2014 or 15. And Corey was playing, um, and I knew Julie, and and she was like, I'm going to have you open for Corey. And so I opened for him. And at Ah Bravo, and and uh, then after that we talked, and then um, it was funny because he, I think the roads were bad, or he didn't have a ride that night after the gig, so we were like, just come stay over at our place, and so he comes and stays over, and I'm like, fourteen or fifteen, and I'm and and we have a guest bedroom and everything, and um, so he we were talking about music because. Before we left, he was like, make sure to call me because we can work together in the future or something. And so, but he stayed the night and I made him, I made him a hole in one in the morning, which is like toast and an egg in it, you know, (laughs) and I thought it was super cool. I was like, I'm going to make you breakfast, you know? So we had breakfast and coffee and talked. And then after a few weeks, he asked if I wanted to be an artist in residence at the refuge in Appleton. So I did that for a while, which was great and talked to Corey a lot and stayed there and um, met some other great artists that were coming through as well. And then Mile of Music would roll around, and so um, he'd get busy and stuff, but we would still stay in touch, and he's awesome, yeah. I, I'm always sending him good vibes, but we haven't talked in a few years, but I hope he's doing good, you know? Well, then you played Mile of Music 3, 4, and 5. Yeah. So it's been a while since you performed a mile. Yeah. I, I think at the time you were like one of the youngest people to play at mile of music how old were you yeah. on mile three 15 i think i think so that must or, have been yeah, a, 15 or 16 that must yeah. have been a pretty kind of scary thing or a, you know you're <laughs> a little bit yeah a little bit was it easier when you did four and five yeah it was because i had my friend genevieve um i had like friends you know genevieve hayward plays there and me and her were doing some shows together and so it was not nerve-wracking if I had like friends to hang out with between the shows and before and after the shows and then know that you're just doing I think 45 minutes at each place or something like that so 
um, the nerves weren't too bad until I got asked to play on the big stage, you know, and I was younger and like for a lot of people, I think it was, uh, what was that main stage that's in the middle of the square or something? Oh, uh, Houdini Plaza. Yeah. Right. So I sang, I think one song up there, which was amazing, but I was real nervous about that, that one specifically, but it, it turned out good. Uh, but yeah, it was great because it got me less nervous in the future to do things because I already got those done. So did anybody out in California know about Milo music when you were out there? Um, maybe possibly, I think, yeah, I'd mention it and I'd say to my friends, um, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. There's Milo music. You should come play it sometime. And, and they were like, Oh, cool. But I think a couple people were like, oh, I've heard of that. Um, actually, I remember specifically someone showed up at my gig and was like, we saw you in Appleton, Wisconsin at Mile of Music. That is what happened one time. And, and I was like, no way. And so <laughs> that was pretty cool. We were, at, we were talking before the show. You mentioned that you were kind of into ghost hunting. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I think you must have I love seen all that stuff. At the refuge, did you see any old refuge ghosts there? Well, no. But like the one, there was one night where... I was staying there. I think it was my first night I was staying there. And I had like, you know, there's these long corridors because it used to be, it was a monastery. And so there, and it, then it was a church or something like that. And it's like this huge building um, property. And I think I was like one of three people that were staying there <laughs> that night. And it's huge. So it's like a hotel, you know. So I was, I had my own room, but I fell asleep. And there was storms that night and I woke up to the window slamming <laughs> shut and a tornado alarm going off, like, <laughs> you know? And so I, I quick, like got out of bed and walked down the long pitch black corridor. All you could see was the exit sign in red lit up at the end and all these open rooms to my left and right. And I have to find my way down to the basement because there was a tornado. <laughs> so that w- I was like, I'm not even going to think about what kind of uh spirits might be in here i'm just gonna like get from point a to point b right now so we had to meet up in the basement of the refuge while there was a tornado going on and so that was pretty funny but no paranormal experiences yeah you have a a show that yeah an interview show somewhere yeah. this that you do on uh, instagram and then you put it on youtube you've had some uh, really good guests including your dad and yeah. other people that you and your dad have known uh is that a, a format that you feel comfortable in like just kind of talking with with other artists yeah for sure i love doing that because it's, it's um, called coffee with by the way coffee yeah with. that's what it is coffee <laughs> with yeah <laughs> super simple um but what i wanted to do was do it on instagram live um and have and just be able to um interview anyone i wanted from the comfort of their home just going live on their instagram and joining mine and i'd screen record it and then upload it on youtube so it wasn't like a fancy thing and the audio wasn't perfect nothing was perfect about it but that's what i liked about it was that it was just really casual and we'd throw these things together and because we always have conversations anyways um and i'm I'm just like why don't we record this right now this would be great to put out content wise and to listen back to a couple years for us in the future and we'll be like wow time has passed you know (laughs) but but um uh those were some people musically that i really respected like um that I wanted to kind of uh, show everyone that I knew on social media who they were. So my dad was a good first option to do, and we talked for like three hours because we didn't have an end time. And then I had uh, Ace Von Johnson um, play, and he's in Nashville, and he's pretty good. He didn't play. We, we just interviewed. We talked. 
And then I had Sam Brooker from Sam and Ruby. Uh, you know Sam and Ruby? I do not, but I'll they're, look into them. Yeah, they they were an acoustic duo um, in the early 2000s. Like they were getting pretty big. They had a song in the B movie and um, and some other things. But now he's in Nashville too. Um, everyone's in Nashville. Yeah, but like it was cool to talk to Sam and uh, Jeff Hinnendale and Green Bay. And uh, me and him are maybe going to do an acoustic duo in 2023, do a couple shows. Um, so I've been like talking with him a lot recently. But yeah, it was a fun little project and I'd like to do it again, but kind of a little similar to this, just way more high quality and do video and audio and, and have it be high quality with these artists and then travel to them to do it and then have a YouTube channel where we put it on there. Um, but uh, I've just been kind of taking a break from that because I want to wait until... I can create a really good um, end product with it on YouTube and have it be really high quality because it was just kind of not good quality before. Yeah, I, I was think just doing it. The cool thing about that, though, is you're kind of joining for the, the conversation and you hear the stories. And yeah. It, there were, people should check it out. Uh, coffee cool, With thanks. It. It's on uh, your YouTube channel. Just search yeah. for Jackson Minkowski and you'll Coffee With You probably find it yeah i made a ton of little chapters in those videos yeah i noticed that <laughs> it's a lot of work chapters, yeah um let's talk about sam luna yeah. you mentioned him earlier you mm-hmm. did a, a live version you released a live version doing a song at the heist and the heist if you haven't been there is a an old bank building in ripon mm-hmm. wisconsin how you, you mentioned you knew sam from the past how did you how did sam reach out to you to, to come and play the heist and what yeah was the recording like to the point um, like I should release this because it sounds really good. Yeah, we, I had been, so I had been coming back from LA through the summers, um, or I'd spend like a pocket of time here and meet up with him while I was here. And then I'd fly back to LA and get back to doing LA stuff or whatever, living out there. But when I, w- when I came back here, um, one of the trips he was like, come out to rip and I'm starting this awesome venue bar place called the heist. And, and, um, isn't it, I think, uh, the hideout is the bar underneath it. And, uh, but it's at this old bank and he told me about it and showed me and he was staying at this other, um, place down the road and ripping too, um, for a while. And he was going to turn that into something, but then he decided to just stick with the heist. And so I was there when he was telling me the ideas of what he was going to do for it. And, um, when he was starting it and then another year went by, another year went by and I came out there and, um, he had it all like done up and it was great and looking awesome. And he's having a lot of artists come in and he said, we're recording now. So if you have any songs, we can just record you and, and have it be a really good video and really good audio. You could potentially just release the audio too of a live take acoustic thing. So you'll have video and audio. And I said, yes, we're doing it. So we did giving in and that was the latest song I wrote at the time. And, um, yeah, yeah. Any chance he'll be playing at the heist again anytime soon? Yeah, I hope so. I think so. Probably in March, April, May, June around there because I'm going to be going to Nashville for the whole month of February, but, um, and then January is pretty booked, but when I get back, yeah. And you, uh, in December, to go back to last month, you played at the PAC. You did a song yeah. with uh, Dan Rodriguez. How, mm-hmm. That's a great venue. How did it feel to, to grace that stage? Well, that was the first time I had even performed and that um, was for 91.1 the av i think right yearly christmas thing yeah i didn't know like what i was really getting myself into when he 
asked me to do it in a good way i was just saying yes to what he was i knew that it was going to be something good because he was like i got something to ask you about and he called me and asked me and i said well of course you know and so not thinking about if i'd be nervous or not <laughs> you know but there's a lot of people at the pac yeah jamie kent um, sitting up there yeah like dan and jamie kent which it was great to meet them and they had some other awesome nashville artists coming too like danny nichols and um and kelly i think and um is it the Boscombe Band? What are they called? Boscombe Hill? Boscombe Hill. Yep, they were there. Or is it Boscombe Hill? One of those. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were there. And it was just amazing to meet all of them and hang out. And um, But, yeah, I think um, I played my Christmas song and that we, did, we recorded together to, like a couple of years ago, three years ago. Um, and his wife Megan sang harmony on it and he played electric guitar on it and it was an honor. It was super fun. And, um, I was nervous, but once you get on stage, you have no choice, but to just be confident and do your best and try it. So I was like, the only way out's through, it's going to be great, you know? And then it went beyond great. And then we went and played Gibson music hall at the after show after and did Tennessee whiskey and had fun. Yeah. Two great venues. One night. Yeah, it was great. I love the PAC. Is there a, a performance that kind of rated to, to the top as your your favorite gig ever? Um, that one you asked, or any uh, any? Is there one that was um, the top? I don't know if I'd say there's like a top best gig, but because I've had a lot of unique gigs, um, and the unique ones are sometimes like I played at a roller derby one time on the ice, you know, when I was younger and like just random stuff, um, but. Yeah, the big stages are fun to play on, but um, intimate settings are also really fun, too, like listening rooms. So, yeah, I don't really have, like, a favorite gig in mind, actually, but I like it when people really listen. Um, But then sometimes I also just like when it's a casual vibe and I'm just up there strumming and singing and we're all having a good time, having a drink, and those are always just great. I'm like, how is this my job, you know? So, yeah. Let's uh, take a, a moment to mention another kind of person that that's sort of mentoring a little bit, Kurt Gunn. <laughs> oh yeah, Kurt Gunn. Yeah, Kurt's awesome. He's a amazing song songwriter, and uh, and he's living in De Pere right now, but he's in Appleton a lot. And um, I met him around the same time I met Sam and Corey um, in Appleton, and um, and Mark, and all the Appleton musicians actually. Um, Kurt's like a songwriting machine. The oh yeah, he's like, he's a force to be reckoned with for sure. <laughs> I really respect his songwriting. I listen. I, I, I uh, in L.A. I would listen to the Avenue all the time, and they would play his songs on the Avenue. So every time Kurt would come on, I'd be like, Yeah, you know. <laughs> and he's such a cool dude, and we've had some great conversations, and um, we've played the same gigs and the same places, and so I feel like, um, yeah, I understand him a little bit and um it's just always a pleasure getting to see him yeah but f- he's an amazing songwriter so you should listen to him <laughs> do, do you feel at the green bay scene sometimes with mile of music and everything going on down here that green bay kind of gets the short end of the stick i mean they, they've got so much going on up there like steel bridge that's been going on for a while and i know you participated in that uh they've got great venues up there like the lyric room and multiple yeah multiple places do you feel that sometimes it, it sort of sits in the shadow of appleton 
honestly, like, yeah, I'm still fresh to the area. I'm kind of trying to get my lay of the land right now still. But um, in Green Bay, I would love to see. I know that there's Gather on Broadway. There's the Lyric Room. There's Meyer the Meyer Theater. There's um, even, I mean, there's other places like Town on the rooftop in the summer, at least. There's a lot of music. And um, Studio 1212. I love Studio 1212. Then La Vie Bohème and De Pere. Um And then Plank Road. I was there last night. So and Plank Road is really great. They have a great stage that's just plug in and play. And I think if more venues had the plug in and play option, I think it'd be easier to have a lot of uh, live music in the area. Um, so, yeah. But I've I've actually been thinking about um, in the future. I don't know how long it would be, but I would like to start something and and book musicians at a place in Green Bay or my own venue or something and. Um, I have plans for that, but I'm not going to like go into detail about it yet. <laughs> but um, I've actually thought about ways to bring more music to Green Bay and uh, to Pier too, because I'm, I'm from to Pier, so I would love to add to the arts scene there if I can with whatever I got, you know. Um, so that's been on my mind a lot recently. Yeah. If uh, somebody's just finding out about you for the first time, is there a song that you would suggest they check out that sort of encompasses? They only have time for one song one song that sort of encompasses you as an artist? Mm. Well, I'd say giving in because I'm really proud of that song because normally it takes me a long time to write and that one only took me like less than a day um, because I was really feeling it. And uh, it, that one really resonated with me and it's just about giving in to whatever you shouldn't be giving into basically. Um, and I think that's important to talk about cause we're all human and we all mess up, but, um, and we give in sometimes and, you know, a lot of people go to AA and then they, they give in and then do it again. Uh, and they have to go back and you just have to keep going back, but that's normal. Like we're all human. And, and, um, so we all just have to accept each other for what we're giving into and say, like, I give in too, you know, to whatever anger issues to, um, like, um, substances, um, being negative a lot, uh, like we all give in, but it's important to know when we give in because then we know that we're giving in and we, we should not, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but we should all just accept each other for that. So that's kind of what that song is about relating to people who give in to things that they know they should have maybe, but that it's okay. We're, yeah. We are getting near the end of the show. Can yeah. we, uh, Strong arm into doing a live song after the commercial break? Yes, for sure. <laughs> Any idea what you're going to play yet? Yeah, I'm going to play <laughs> a really random one <laughs> called uh, Pretty Face because um, I just thought I'd have fun with it and do one that's not too serious and just, just a good jam. You lift me all your pain Said I feel my heart break But it's okay, it's alright I feel fine Took away my car so you could drive. I guess I won't know how far, but it's alright, that's okay. This heart won't break. Do whatever you want and call me names. Move along and leave without a trace. And while you're on your own, you go looking for another one who falls for nothing more than just a pretty face. 
cry, 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 but you won't be alone You're gonna cry out your eyes on another man's shoulder But that's alright, honey, that's alright Just don't cry out the pretty green in your eyes And never come back asking why Because I'm not the same, you're to blame But baby, that's alright Do whatever you want and call me names Move along and leave without a trace while you're on your own, you go looking for another one and fall for nothing more than just a pretty face. You fall for nothing more than just a pretty face. Keep your eye out for future things from Jackson Minkowski. Go follow him on all the socials. Thank you for watching Fox City's Core on WCZR, New Rock for New Radio, Code Zero Radio.